It's morning. It's a show. Sometimes it's about woodworking. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. Sometimes it's about woodworking. Sometimes. But not always. And it's not Friday. Don't, it's not Friday. Don't be uh, alarmed that you missed the whole week. I think if, that we just, would be good. if we change the clock to Friday, <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone would notice. I think they'd be like, oh, cool, tomorrow's Saturday. Yeah. Like everybody's so off schedule right the now. The days don't matter anymore. No, look at us. <laughs> Look at us, non-Dunkin' coffee going here. Gazanked, I'm using your coffee mug. In fact, I'm going through a lot of our coffee mugs that have been donated to us over the years. I'm like, we can actually use them. We're using them. They're they're finding their purpose. Yeah. So welcome to the morning show. This is a Tuesday edition. Uh, We want to do some more bonus shows during this crazy time that we're going through, uh, and we'll do another show on Friday. And we're giving away stuff today too. Giving away a couple of things. Stay tuned a little bit later in the show. I just. Went through my office and I found a bunch of things that I'm either not using or I have multiples of. And I'm like, we just got to put these into somebody else's home. We should probably say who we are. What? I'm Nicole. Oh, I'm Mark. They, they know who we <laughs> no, are. No, they don't. They might not know. You there could be a silly, brand new viewer right now. Silly, silly lady. Uh, one of the ways that you could help support the show, if you choose to do so, is at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash woodwhisperer. And a few folks who helped us out, James Ludke. Trevor Holm, Chris Ingmanson, Horace Raper, and Aaron Goddard. So thank you very much. And Yay. if you help us out, there's things you can get in return for yep. helping. My pens. The pens came in. I'm going to ship those out. Man, am I excited about these pens. Uh, and then... <laughs> you better be excited. <laughs> and we'll also, of course, thank you directly here on the show. So thanks very much. Uh, so here's the deal. Let's. Uh, I think we got some cool stuff to do today. Yeah. So we mentioned the giveaways. We got the giveaways. Uh, hopefully I did work out these audio issues. Uh, <clears throat> folks in the after show last week yes. gave me some advice and said, you know, maybe that stupid cheap uh, Chinese knockoff yeah. adapter you're using could be the problem. And, and I think it turns out that was the problem. That was the problem. So I think we're in good shape now. It's okay. Yes. Technology okay. isn't fallible. Fall- fallible? It's not infallible. Infallible. It is fallible. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Considering our uh, modem has been... Oh, man. All of a sudden, like when we need it the most. The kids were doing online school. Like the internet, which is rock solid, you know, for us most of the time. uh, Just technology, right? It starts to go on the fritz. I replaced the modem. Turns out, didn't need to replace the modem. No. I'm just terrified to go to Best Buy to return the other one now. (laughs) So uh, hopefully within 30 days, I can have all this resolved and, yeah. and get that stupid modem back, yeah. right? Uh, all right. So we've got questions here from Patreon. Of we course, do. one of the other benefits to helping us out on Patreon is that you get your questions on the show. Preloaded. Um, preloaded and You're ready to go. You're probably watching this going, how do they have so many questions so fast? It's amazing. Well, Nicole also gets questions from the chat room. And uh, the other thing with, um, with the Patreon thing mm-hmm. is we do an after show. We're not doing it on Tuesdays. This is just an extra show, but on Fridays, bonus. we have a bonus after show, and people who help us out on Patreon can get access to that. And if you can't do it, and you don't want to do it, and money is tight, don't worry about it's it. It's okay. It's a bunch of nonsense. Nothing important happens in the after show. It's just more of this. <laughs> yeah, just a little more of this. Uh, yeah, the clock. Oh, by the way, did you fix crisis it? averted. Did you fix it? The you- clock is fixed. Turns out, I forgot there are extra places where there are like secret batteries on that thing. <laughs> And in addition, now look, I don't want to get too technical. Yeah. I don't want to get too technical on you the show. The but the, no, there's a on-off button. Ah. Did you know that has an off button? No. There is a switch that I think I accidentally turned off. <laughs> so I don't even know if it needed new batteries, but all new batteries, it is recharged, ready to go, and I, I hope it flips yep. like it's supposed to flip. Hey, Craig, Craig Sugarin. Uh, Hammond just did a super chat. And he said, "Good morning. Help fight coronavirus with a corona." We, uh-huh. do, we actually have a couple of Coronas in the, we do, in the yeah. refrigerator. Tyler brought some over. <laughs> but it's it's coffee time. And we're not going to dwell too much on this nah. whole situation. This is supposed to be your relief from the whole coronavirus situation. But I do have something. I'm curious what people are making in um, the shops. Yeah, that, that could be interesting too. Um, but I have a very important message, something to uh, to watch here. Because of coronavirus, you are going to be quarantined. But you have a choice. Do you, A, Quarantine with your wife and child, or B. <laughs> Definitely B. I'm sure there's a lot of people who can relate to that. Uh, right now. What are you trying to say? Well, hey, I, 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 
I'm kind of. There are moments where I go, B. B. I'm kind of constantly quarantined with my wife and children. <laughs> this is true. Regardless of, of this our situation. Normal, our normal life is, is that. Uh, the, kids, the kids are uh, home and playing some video games right now. Yep. Uh, Brian Benham asked <laughs> if uh, Matt or Shannon are going to uh, accept my push up challenge that I did. I tagged them on this stupid push-up challenge. I can't believe you did it. I have to say I'm very impressed that you did. I normally, normally don't, don't do these things. Yeah. Like like the ice bucket challenge yeah, and things yeah. like that. I don't I don't get into that. Yeah. Uh, but it was like 9.30. I was in the shop. I get tagged on this stupid thing. I'm like, all right, I could use some exercise. I could, yeah, I could use some exercise today. Let's, let's do some push-ups. <laughs> While I'm making donuts in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Working off the donuts and ribs. All right, let's... Let's get to some questions. Yeah, we got some questions here. Tim, uh, JB wants to know if you brought enough ribs for the rest of the class today. <laughs> well, there are three um, vacuum-packed half, packed half mm -hmm. racks of ribs that I put in the freezer, so maybe we could start shipping those out. We could add them to the Wood Whisperer store. <laughs> no. What do you think about that? Okay, Araya Woodworks says, uh, of course, this is kind of a joke question. How do you think your woodworking, gaming, and cooking skills will transfer into a post-apocalyptic world? I'm becoming more resourceful. Um, I'm like, I only have six more eggs. Yeah. <laughs> Let me think of planning ahead. I think on the good side of all this, there is a lot of that. There's a lot of yeah. becoming more resourceful. But more to the point, let me tell you a story about Nicole. This is pre-kids. We were living together. I don't know. It could have been California. could have been Arizona. Wherever our, uh, us crazy kids were oh, at the time. Yeah, and uh, we played a little game called Mario Golf. <laughs> Right? Yes. And it's basically <laughs> what you would expect from a, a Mario Golf game in like the 2000s. And uh, Nicole thought she was pretty good was at this. good at Mario Golf. And then uh, we decided to actually, what do we do? Like a pitch and putt or a driving range? I, I think know. we might have gone to a driving range. Yeah. And, uh, and she was actually under the impression that her skills in the game would translate <laughs> hey, to real life golf swings. I, I saw the swings. I Got the timing. This is so much easier when I'm the princess. I don't understand <laughs> it. <clears throat> so, yeah, we do generally look for video game skills yeah. to translate to real mm, life. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, Adrian, But I am baking more. Yes, you are. More, and cooking more. Adrian says, have you used Bloom drawer slides? There are so many options. We just want slides with soft clothes that are easy to align the faces. Any suggestions? Okay. The thing with the Bloom slides, they are not as bad as they seem once you dig through the instructions. Uh, I have done that a couple of times, and it seems like every time I do it, I have to reinvent the wheel. It's, it's something I have to get my head into the game. Um, I don't necessarily want to recommend a paid project just for this, but it's the only resource that I've made on this is in my executive desk build, I installed soft clothes, bloom, undermount slides. And in the context of a project, you could see how it applies to the drawer, the thickness of the drawer sides, the gap you need under your drawer for the hardware to fit, how much spacing to provide. All that information is in there with that example. Um, and that's the only thing I personally have as far as demonstration for that. Um, I can promise you it's not as hard as it seems, but when you read instructions from a company like Bloom, their, their stuff is great, but their instructions, I'm sorry, are awful. And once you understand it, it all kind of makes sense. But it's very difficult to understand. Once you accept understand. the fact. <laughs> yeah, once you, once you give in to the chaos pass, pass and then get past the chaos. Uh, but honestly, I go cross-eyed every time I look at those instruction sheets. Um, so, you know, sometimes watching in a video form will make it a little bit easier. Okay, I got plenty of questions well, here. I I'm do. just going to keep ripping I'm going to – Travis <clears throat> wants to know, have you ever tried to ebonize oak or other wood? Uh, can you go into that? Not, not outside of, uh, <laughs> you know, applied dyes. I know yeah. there's uh, treatments you can do to, like, activate, react with the tannins in the wood. Um, biff I think tannin. it's Yeah, biff tannin in the wood. <laughs> biff, where are you going? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. What is it? The vinegar, uh, it's like you put steel wool in vinegar and you get, like, an iron acetate solution mm -hmm. or something like that uh, will cause the wood to turn, like, a darker color. But anytime I've needed that black color, I would go for something that I feel is just a little bit more consistent, uh, and that's using dyes and stains. Um, so there are various brands out there that will work well for this. Uh, Transtint makes some decent dyes. Uh, I think you could even get like ebony dyes in General Finishes brands and things like that. Um, so sometimes it's more than one thing. I'll use, if I really want that deep black color, you could use uh, you know, a black dye as sort of a base color and then hit that with like a black ebony gel stain on top of that and you can get a real real deep rich color 
Michael Lust wants to know, have you ever used the Rockler draw, draw slide jig? Is that a drawer? Drawer slide? Yeah, drawer oh, slide jig. Draw. I have not. Um, it looks like a gun, I, I believe, what he's talking about. Uh, it's usually, if I'm not mistaken, is it only used for side mount slides? I think it might be. Uh, but you basically have this little... It's like a little thing that the slide goes into, and you could put it in reference from the top or the oh, front of the case, it, yeah. right? And it holds it in position so that you could attach your slide. And I haven't done that, but it's it seems like a decent product. All right, Mike Davies. He says, I've got a shop apron for Christmas, and I don't know, or and I know you've used one in the past, wondering what you consider the essential things to have. Uh, in your pocket in the shop because I'm thinking about getting someone to add some custom pockets. Mm. Ooh. All right, I just happen to have a couple things here. This is what I would just consider. So I mean, they just happen to be here. You know why? Because they're essential. These are important things that I need. Also, <clears throat> thought I'd show you guys my new apron. It's a little small. This is actually the one Cremona left here. So. <laughs> It's a little teeny tiny That's, one. Uh, there, we have two of them. Yeah. Calavera Tools sent us one for Mateo and one for Ava. But They're I think so it, would, cute. it would fit Matt too. Make it tiny and then it's automatically. Actually, cute. I do have my apron right here. Oh, there it is. <clears throat> this is my big boy. I just don't wear it as much as I used to. And I think part of the reason is um, temperature. temperature. I often get warm in the mm -hmm. shop. Uh, I thought being in Denver, I would use it more. And uh, part, I guess part of the reason you I have don't... have heat now in the shop. Yeah, but also the microphone. Ah, uh, yeah. It gets a little bit tricky. Sometimes that it's easier sense. to just clip the microphone onto. Anyway, it's a whole video a whole thing. thing. Most people don't have to worry about this. So here are the things I would have in my apron. Either a box cutter, if mm -hmm. you don't already have like a pocket knife on you, some sort of cutting device. A measuring tool. Um, some kind of a compact tape measure is really good. I would not have a full-size tape measure. I mean, these are things that are on your body in front of you. And you know what happens when you run into things accidentally and you got a tape measure down here? You might get yourself in the uh, in those things. In, in, the, in the chicken in nuggets. In the boys. Hit yourself in the nuggets, right? <laughs> you don't want to do that. Uh, so a little compact tape measure is a real good idea. A couple different ways to mark and check for square. Uh, you know, just one of these little four-inch squares. This one is, is a really nice model. It's a Starrett. Uh, but even just the standard double square, adjustable square, uh, good for marking, for layout, and also good for very quickly checking if something is square. And recently, when I was doing, hmm, what is it, the nesting tables video, I was doing some layout, and I've had one of these Delvey squares. And while a lot of times the woodpecker stuff, <clears throat> I don't want to say, I'm going to say hit or miss, but I don't want that to sound negative. I mean that in the sense that some people will see it and go, yes, I've been waiting my whole life for, the, uh, for that version of that tool. And then it's fantastic. And other times it's like, meh, I'll pass on that one. So the, the Delvey Square was something I never really got too much into. And then I started using it for layout tasks. Mm. And I love this thing. Uh, it's so much faster if you're actually doing some of your um, mortise layout and tenon layout ahead of time. Uh, just being able to drop your pencil into the holes. and <laughs> Anyway. Quick endorsement for the Delvey Square. Uh, so having something like that, one or both of these guys in your apron would be nice. And then finally, of course, the pencil. You gotta have, well, I would say more than one pencil because a lot of times I wind up losing it or I put it down. So this is the set uh, on Amazon that just currently, anytime it goes under $34, I <coughs> have, notification. I get the notification from Camel, yeah. Camel, Camel. So these are um, the Graph Gear mechanical pencils. Yeah, because they're new, about. they're usually like, 40 50 bucks mm -hmm. for the set mm. so when it goes under 30 34 i have it alert me and i just got the alert so i love that set it's great i'll put a link in the chat room if you're interested in those pencils yeah so yeah, that's awesome. that's it for me i mean there's probably other things and it's a lot of it it's on your person so it's going to be very personal preference depending on what you habitually use in the shop on your people's on your peoples and <laughs> watch your nuggets. Uh, I got a, I got a, some super chats from oh Nesji's in the chat. She oh, says good day, Spags. Thanks for keeping us entertained. Cheers. Thanks, Ness. Oh, thanks, Ness. Appreciate that. Uh, Scott uh, Riker. <laughs> Richard uh, Reichinger. Reichinger. Uh Hey guys, where's the video of Dougie chasing the treat launched by the? Trebuchet. Trebuchet. I can never say it. <laughs> you got very close. Uh, we didn't make that video. Yeah. We probably should, though. That he would love it. You want to know a little secret? Mm. I don't think a lot of people notice this. I built mine wrong. Did you? 
I placed the hole in the arm in the wrong spot. Oh. The plan is right. Everything I showed in the plan yeah. is correct. But in my haste to get this thing together, I drilled in the wrong spot. So it's ma- the, the, the arm is mounted too far forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still works. It just doesn't work as well as the one that was originally a little, designed. A little bit back. Yeah. <laughs> Ding dong. Got a, a super chat from Alex uh, Kilpatrick. Okay. He says, uh, Wood Whisperer Guild t-shirt idea. Uh, the Wood Whisperer Guild. Woodworkers do it with hardwood. <laughs> Okay. I'm not sure. I like I'm that. I'm sure that's going to work. But... I think it'll work fine. <laughs> uh, thank you, Alex. Yeah, thank you, Alex. Charles Alex. Masters. Alec. Alec. Alex? Alex. 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 Sorry. Why are you correcting I don't know. us? We said it right the first time. Uh, Charles Masters says, I'm not ready to spend money on Veritas or Lee Valley plane yet, uh, but is it worth it to buy a Stanley low-angle jack plane or not? I haven't seen any of the garage sales, any at the garage sales I've been to, and eBay wants about half to two thirds of the value of a new one for a used plane that will still take a good amount of work to put it in usable condition. I just need a little bit of advice. Ah, I, this, I may not have the popular answer on this one. Um, sometimes chasing the flea market finds, it's not my thing. I got better things to do with my time. Uh, depending on what, how much time you have, uh, how much spare time you have and the availability of stock at these you know, events where you might see a, a whole thing of rusty planes on a table for sale for 20 bucks. Um, the, the, the challenge here is you don't, unless you really dig into this stuff and do a little bit of research, it's hard to know exactly what you're going to get. And there is generally, I've heard Shannon talk about this from uh, Renaissance Woodworker. Uh, he's talked about like a dividing line, whether it's like pre-World War II or post-World War II, that sort of is a delineator of quality. Um, these are things that I don't want to get into. Uh, and also, once you get this thing, it's going to take a, most likely a decent amount of work to get it all tuned up and ready to go and nice and sharp and make it a user plane. So if you want to do that, and that sounds like a fun thing to do, then then absolutely find something that looks like a fixer-upper, pick it up and get to work. Uh, even in its best condition, it still may not perform that well just because it can only get so good if the quality wasn't good to begin with. Um, so for me, I would encourage someone to maybe hold off, save a few bucks, and then buy something you don't have to go Veritas and Lee Nielsen. Look at, there's like a lot of mid-grade brands now uh, that are definitely a compromise. You've got things like the Benchdog Plane series that Rockler now has, uh, the Wood River Planes at Woodcraft. Um, those are two fairly easily accessible brands that are, are definitely not as expensive as, you know, the Veritas Lee Nielsen, but not necessarily as cheap as something like the, you know, uh, bottom of the barrel versions of Stanley that we might have available today. Um, and I'm, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they start to remake some of the Stanley Sweetheart line I, I, that might actually be decent? I have no idea. You know, look it up, Nicole. Uh, <laughs> the chat room, I'm sure there's people who are much more well-versed in the, the current offerings and planes who can answer that. Um, but again, look at some of these mid-range brands. And I think going with those, I think, is going to be a better option than getting a flea market find these days. Uh, Chet Klaus did a super chat and said, I'm building the MFT mobile cart. The three-eighth inch thick edging on the main cart looks good. I find it too thick visually around the drawers. Now that you made it, how do you like it? I haven't given it a second thought since I've made it, to (laughs) be honest. It's working. It's it's a drawer on a cart in the shop. Um, I try to make it look good when I'm designing it and building it. And then after that point, I don't even think I look at it again. I mean, oh, outside of my periphery. Our Italian consulate appointment in Chicago is right now. Guess we're not going to that, Nicole. <laughs> um, but if it's something that doesn't look right to your eye, then change it. Faux show. You got a question on Patreon? I do. Hold on. Um, Corey Pelton says, oh, here we go. The AeroPress makes the single best cup of homemade coffee possible. I'm interested in knowing why you seem to dislike it so much. Keep on keeping on. Well, you mentioned one reason. The single single cup of coffee. There's a whole process to the AeroPress with the little filter, the plunger. It's a It's a lot of parts. It's like a fairly complicated situation. And all it does is produce one cup of coffee. We have so many other ways to actually produce the amount of coffee we're probably going to drink in a morning for two mm-hmm. people uh, that it's just inefficient. And there have been times where I didn't get the filter perfectly laid in there. And if you don't, if you have like a little fold over or something that's not perfect, 
what you're going to do is press grinds or grounds through, yeah. and then you wind up with the the you hate it? coffee grounds in your coffee cup. I remember like two weeks ago when we would have Dunkin' and oh, then we'd get to that. the bottom and we go, oh, Occasionally go, I would what gladly this? drink those grounds right now. <laughs> yeah, so because of its limited capacity and the complicated nature of it, and I say complicated, I realize it's only a few parts, but I don't need coffee to look like an erector set in the morning. Like I want it to be a simple cup of coffee. Uh, and then also because of the, the complicated nature, there are just things that can happen that uh, make you go, well, crap, I guess I'm doing a do-over. Um, and coffee doesn't need to be that difficult. Also, the flavor of the coffee wasn't so great to warrant me going through all that, mm-hmm. right? It tasted okay. It was fine. So that that's my thoughts on it. So we, uh, we gave uh, the one we had to our friend, uh, who's using it at work, I think. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's using it at home. He said he had one at work and one at home. Yeah. Oh, Gazang says, you just got to buy <laughs> five different arrow presses and then you line them up. <laughs> knock them down. It's a good idea. We should definitely do that. Let's not and say we did. Okay. Joshua Fink. On the Festool tools that you own, other than the Domino, which is uh, worth it in your experience than other brands? Router, Tracksaw, Capex, Sanders. Man, this this is an ever-changing, evolving question. It's hard. I mean, I've answered this question on the website when I did an article called What Happened with Festool. There is a whole section where I talk about here's what I'm keeping because I think these are the game changers. But as time goes on, other brands come up, other brands compete. Uh, The Traxall is a great example. For me, the Traxall is a must-have because I'm already invested in their line of other products and accessories, right? So the, the tracks themselves, excuse me, it just makes sense to stay with Festool. Um, I've got a lot of the um, Festool Vax in my shop. So why would I go for a DeWalt or a Makita or one of these other brands? Do you say Makita? Makita. <laughs> Makita. <laughs> I don't I got, think I said Makita. I got a Skeeter. I think I, went, I think I said Makita and blended it into the next word and it came out Makita. <laughs> I like it. Uh, okay. That's a, that's a Missouri coming a out. Makita. So, but if I didn't already have all that festival stuff, there are other more reasonably priced Traxall solutions out there. So I can't put the Traxall in that must-have category. Uh, the Capex, there's only like really two reasons I could think that you would say the Capex is a must-have. Uh, one is if you're doing a lot of work on houses and you're in a client's home and you want great dust collection right and portability Um, those two things are what the capex excels at when you go to a shop it's not quite as important um, to necessarily have that portability but having a fairly low profile that doesn't stick far out from the wall and then also dust collection even in a shop that's a super important thing for us so if dust collection is your concern the capex is is just about the only game in town without modification that will effectively collect dust their sanders are great. The sanders are fantastic. They're definitely a nice, well-balanced, uh, fun-to-use sander. But I can't say it's that much of a game-changer. There are other brands out there that sand just fine, right? Um, but I do I do like the sanders. Uh, let's see what's <laughs> left. Their router, the OF1400 and the OF2020. Uh, both of those routers are best in breed, in my opinion. The, the, the number of features, the adjustability for a fine woodworker who's looking for precision, accuracy, and, and all the things we want to do with routers, those will do it very well and make you very, very happy. So I think the routers are game changers, but you can still use another brand router and still get great results. You might just have to tinker with your settings or you know fuss a little bit more with the depth control, things like that. So... It's hard anymore. It's not as obvious anymore. And I think um, it's, I would imagine, has to be getting harder and harder for Festool um, as some of these companies are closing the gaps on these things. Hey, we got a super chat from Ben Ackerberg. Okay. Uh, He said, picked up Matt, is it Mass? What is that? Macassar? Macassar. I was going to say Madagascar. Mm-hmm. Ebony instead of a more black ebony. Thoughts on using it instead of the black ebony in the blanket chest? I have a mixture of both. You know, it's personal preference mm-hmm. there. Um, I know Daryl Peart uses a lot of the Macassar ebony. Um, Macassar is the stuff that has a little bit more of the brown streaking in it. So it's a lot less likely that you're going to get a nice, perfectly dark black section right for for any you know um, whether you're doing a spline or some decorative element um so it's pretty good um i actually don't like pretty, it as much pretty pretty, it's good. pretty 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 good <laughs> i don't like it as much as um 
I just lost my train of thought on Sorry. Which, no, 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 no. Which, which uh, Ebony? Um, what's the other one? Madag uh, Madagascar no. Ebony? And <clears throat> I think it is actually. Uh, black Ebony? I don't know. Oh, the black Ebony, Nicole. Okay. <laughs> gotcha Boy, now. Hey. Anyways, the Macassar is a little bit lighter and that streaking, I don't really love it. Like when you combine that with the dark red of a green and green piece, it's just, let's just say it's not my favorite. It will work, and some people like the way it looks, but I feel like it doesn't provide as, as stark of a contrast that you get when you use um, that other type of ebony, the, the black ebony. <laughs> <laughs> but look at it, um, and look at some of Daryl's pictures. I think he probably has some stuff online where he's used Macassar and hey, you can kind of see Speaking of the blanket chest, mm -hmm. Brian Tharp is going to make a blanket chest, and he has spalted hackberry on the sides and walnut for the lid, and the base, what do I need to watch out with Hackberry? I don't know. I've never used it. I've never used it either. <laughs> Sounds fun. You've never... That, that, that is surprising to me. Nicole. I know. Given I, your experience with black walnut <laughs> and black ebony. Uh, Hackberry sounds like um, a cartoon character, like Huckleberry, Hackberry. <laughs> yeah. It's Huckleberry's brother, Hackberry. <laughs> that one's the... Um, shed. one of your hairs? Yeah, I... Shed. You sure it wasn't just one of my long beard hairs <laughs> no, that I, I keep there for good luck? it was definitely one of mine. <laughs> okay. David Wiggins, he says, uh, elbow bump. I'm trying to figure out wood stain. Hey, give me a good uh, thumbnail. Yay. <laughs> uh, trying to figure out a wood stain dye combination that will give me the best results when trying to turn out a modern charcoal gray-like finish. Any recommendations on species, process? Uh, it needs to end up being quite durable. And I would love to be able to keep the sheen satin. I'm struggling with painting because of the box shape and would like to be able to rub this one out. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it there, David. Pinch it off. Look at some of the funny things. I just put a video about Rubio out today. Um, so go check that out if you haven't already. But uh, Rubio has products that give you that kind of grayish, whitewash sort of look. And it will be satin. So I don't want to necessarily recommend that as like it's the only option there are plenty of other stains dyes things that could get you into that sort of gray maybe a little bit weathered sort of look uh, but in particular i've seen a lot of this where they use this like light colored stuff to give that gray look they might even use like a base coat of one color like a dark color and come back with the lighter color to have it drop in the grain and it provides this kind of hazy gray appearance. That might be something to look into because it could be a one or two step quick solution. Um, now, if you want a clear coat or something on top of that, that might be a little bit problematic, but that might get you where you want to be. As far as the woods, kind of depends on really what you want that appearance to look like, like any other question about wood. Um, you know, something that would take stain well and accept stains well might be something like ash, but then you have open pores and you have to decide if that's the appearance you want. Excuse me. So I think the consistency in the grain pattern might dictate uh, which wood you pick because plenty of them will take stain and also be durable. So Nice. Uh, I, I am getting more Patreon questions on the Patreon post. Okay, I only so. have one more okay, so from I'll, what I selected. I will, is it from Chris? Yep. That Chris was my, my last one. Okay. Chris says, uh, maybe not so much now, but earlier in your woodworking journey, how did you deal with time wasting in the shop? And I don't mean stuff that's out of your control, but inefficiency in the shop, taking the time to analyze what they were, eliminate them quickly, or just over time changed how you did things. Your good Hungarian buddy, Chris. I didn't know he was Hungarian. Oh, I didn't did, know him. Did you know I'm Hungarian? Half. I'm half Hungarian, half Italian. So uh, I am... it stands to reason that we're good buddies. I'm English. And? Irish. And? German. And? Mutt. <laughs> you could be a mix of other things. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Those are the top three. Uh, yeah, you, uh, you diluted our semi-pure blood with yeah. your children. Well, so, it was so cute because it's St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Mateo was asking about Irish. I go, you know, you're a little bit Irish now. <laughs> so. There's probably a little in there somewhere. He said 10% for me. So he's like, what, 5%? How's, oh. that, how's that work with percentages? Uh, well, it, it usually doesn't work like that. <laughs> when it comes to genetics. Yeah, I know, I know. You, you would have to analyze what he actually is. We, let's just say 5%. 5%. Let's 5%. Call it Irish. that. I have 0.4% sub-Saharan African. Yes. In my thing. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, stuff is such BS. It's ridiculous. No, it's not BS. It's genetics. <laughs> it's. I think it's kind of cool to it, see. It is cool if you can trust what they tell you. I trust it. Okay, good, good, good. And now your uh, your genes are in a database for yeah. future use. Yeah. Good luck getting insurance. Okay. Yours are too. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I sent your spit in too. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, so inefficiencies in the shop. This was not something. Settle down, Nicole. This happens. Sometimes my throat closes when I go to talk. It does this thing. Where and yours, like, yours does it too. I know, but yours doesn't I try a lot. Not, I just, because I talk a lot. I know. Um, inefficiency in the shop is something that you could certainly analyze and start to identify. I don't really have a, a formula or a recipe for how you could like fix this for yourself outside of simply looking at what you're doing and try to identify the time wasters. Sometimes that's hard to do for yourself. The most the single most important thing for me that occurred that helped me address inefficiencies was actually working with someone else who was a pro, somebody who did this full time and could show me what was a you know what could be accomplished in a full day. And I, I know I've told this story before, um, but when I was in Arizona trying to make a go of the whole furniture thing by myself, but I came from a hobbyist perspective. So once I had a full day of work. As that hobbyist mindset, I went in there and I was almost stifled. You remind me of the uh, gift of John Travolta in Pulp Fiction, where he's just like wandering around. I haven't not, seen that one. Not sure what to do. But it was a lot like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you kind of walk around going, well, I guess, I mean, you think in terms of, oh, I only have a couple of hours, so I don't want to get into that because it's, there's too much to do. Or, oh, I only got a half hour left. Guess I can't get anything done. That's not how you work when you're actually, you know, at a professional level, uh, assuming you're busy. At a professional level, you use every minute you have. And if you have a half hour, oh my God, I got a whole half hour to work with here. I can get this, this, and this done. So when I worked with Cody, I went to work at a... Yeah, that was definitely me. <laughs> what, what? I'm going to post it in the chat so you can okay. laugh. So you can laugh along with us. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was definitely one of those things when I started to work with this dude, Cody, at a refinishing shop. Uh, we also did some projects together, um, building new furniture together. I started to see how much I could get done in a day. And it really opened up my perspective. So that by the time I started to work by myself again, I saw an eight-hour, ten-hour workday as a huge opportunity. And I think before it was stifling because I just didn't know how to make use of my time and just keep going. You know, so when you actually have full use of that time and you make the most use of it, you can get a lot done. So the inefficiencies come from just kind of sitting around thinking about it, you know, and that's part of it. If you have time to sit around and think about inefficiencies, you're not busy enough. You know what I mean? Like the busyness and the work dictated, I've got to move faster. I don't have time to sit around and fart around with these little details, right? So I don't know that you have that opportunity, but if you could spend some time with a professional woodworker or someone who works in any professional capacity and see how they operate in a full day, you'd be amazed at what you can get done. Hopefully it could influence you. Michael Lust wants to know, are you planning a uh, SketchUp series? I think you are. We are. We are. I don't know when. We don't know when. Yeah. Brian is working on it. He's got a new microphone. And nice. I, it's a side thing for him. Um, and hopefully we will have it soon. Soon-ish. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe with, yeah. the, with the whole quarantine thing, yeah. we may actually have it sooner than later. Yeah. Um, because he may be in a situation where... He's got extra time. Yep. Uh, Greg Sutherland did a super chat. He said, I just wanted to say thanks for all the great content and entertainment. Well, thank you, Greg. Well, thank you, Greg. And we got a question super chat from, as soon as my, uh, Ken McCord. Good morning. I have a new Paramedic PM1500 and absolutely love it. One problem, the measuring scale is way off by a half an inch. Yeah. And that's where I'm at the max adjustment setting of the pointer. Huh. Well, you know how far mine is off? Oh. I was hoping you knew because I don't. <laughs> I don't look at that, man. Like, I'm not to say that you shouldn't. And if you want to get it tuned up so that it works, it's good for quick reference. But it's the same thing like with my table saw. I use my um, the measurement scale as a very gross adjustment level. I will not actually make a cut until I take one of these handy little guys uh, and actually measure to make sure. I don't trust both the bandsaw or the table saw. And that's just kind of a work method thing. I, it's drilled into me. So if you are the type who is used to these scales being set up, I can see that being kind of annoying and problematic for you. Um, but it's not that critical. And most of the things you're going to cut, 
if you have an apron and you have one of these in it, uh, you could very easily take that out and double check your measurement. But I understand the frustration. Things should line up. Things should work. So I, I would have to go and look at it and see if there's a way that you could shift the bar over. You might have to maybe drill some new holes and retap some holes to be able to move the thing over because that the the you know the the what do you call it the measurement strip that's in there is like on there. So it's not going to be that easy. You can't just simply replace it, uh, but you might be have like be able to shift things over. So you're shifting the whole bar instead of worrying about the little viewfinder, right? Um, but honestly, man, if you do, you shake off the shackles of something like that and just measure it at the fence at the blade. Um, it's going to be more accurate, and then you don't have to worry about the scale being perfect. Got a question here from James. What mill thickness should I shoot for if I need to use a hand planer shavings for toilet paper? Uh, Come on, you got now. her. You got her, James. Just use. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have some old T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Cut them into strips. Cut them into strips and wipe your butt. Nathan or, said he's surprised. He take was a like, shower. Way more work rather than just tuning your table saw scale to be dead on. The more you use your table saw and the more you trust your scale, the more you're going to find out that you can't trust your scale. It's just something that happens over time. Things move. They don't stay perfect. And if you're not double checking your work, at some point, you're going to find out the hard way that it's no longer perfectly lined up. So yes, it's more work, but it saves me work because I am absolutely sure that I have the measurement I think I have. Uh, and if I can confirm that by looking at the little viewfinder and everything lines up, then I'm a happy boy. Uh, but ultimately, it's about two seconds extra to be 100% sure. To me, it's a little risky to trust built-in um, you know, measuring tapes because they almost always will go out of calibration at some point. Got a question here from Jeffrey Smith. He says, hi, Mark and Nicole. Now that you've had time to master your new CNC. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's call it that. <laughs> will you consider offering templates for previous Gill projects? Uh, would be a great value to have some for the Maloof rocker. Yeah, we are doing that if it's possible, right? We and can't in the do case it for of the Maloof, Maloof, we have a deal with uh, Charles Brock, and I, you know, I could, I could talk to him yeah. and see uh, and find out what what we'd have to do to get to the point where we can actually make some templates. Um, you know, and the thing is, what we find with these bigger templates, like the Hank chair, mm-hmm. oh boy, on shipping, let me mm-hmm. tell you. And 40 I think, bucks to ship in some cases. Yeah, and the Sculpted Rocker has that big, long leg template. It would be mm-hmm. the longest template we have. It also has a seat template. Depending on how you do it, it might not have to be too big, but it is usually a, a fairly large square. If I'm not mistaken, you can actually probably get away with making it a half template because it's symmetrical. You could flip yeah. it over. Um, but still, I think it's most valuable to people if it's a full piece. It would be very expensive, and it would be an expensive shipping endeavor, mm-hmm. even if we can get past the agreement that we have with, with Chuck. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see on we'll the see. rocker. But yes, on other projects, like people are asking for the Morris chair, the dining chair. Yeah. Uh, these are ones that we're kind of going we did just, backfilling. We just added the outdoor bench templates. We did? So... Right now, we're kind of in a state of flux with our two stores. So we have a, a store set up on the free site, and we still have the store set up on the guild site. Um, you can order templates because we do have non-guild-related templates. So the circle templates, the cutting board template, mm-hmm. um, and then, of course, the plans, which don't require shipping. I'm shipping them all out. So I print my label. I put them on the porch. And they go out. So yes. you can still purchase the templates. Um, I'll put the link for the free site templates in um, the show notes, as well as the guild templates, which are Fremont nightstand, hang chair, mirror frame, Adirondack, and outdoor bench. Those yeah. are those are the templates that we currently have ready to ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the, the uh, scale question, there's a lot of disagreement uh, with me. It's fine. Everybody is different in how they, they trust their tools to do what they do. Um, mine is not necessarily, like someone says, it must be a Powermatic problem. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's not. I've just had enough times where things have, have changed. Um, the other thing is, and I think Tommaso brought this up, uh, you also have blades that have different size teeth. Mm-hmm. So if you ever swap out your blade on your table saw, immediately it could be out of calibration. Mm. So if you are if you're like Cremona and you like to swap out your, 
your rip and crosscut blades or you have specialized joinery blades like a flat tooth grind, uh, you may have problems with that scale only being locked to a very specific blade. So for me, I just find it's much more, there's a lot more freedom to not being totally dependent and trusting that. Here's the other thing too though, a lot of times we're building based on relative dimensions, right? So if I need styles or rails that are like an inch and a half wide, it's not so important that they're exactly an inch and a half. What's important is that all of the styles or rails be a consistent dimension. As long as it's close to the number I want, it's probably fine. So depending on how you build, it may not really matter if the scale is slightly off. But you know, again, to each his own. For mm -hmm. me, I like to double, double check. Alan Lewis said for the PM1500, look under bar, mine has a two inch slot. Oh really? That's what he said. Yeah, I don't know. I, again, I haven't really looked at it. Mine's probably off, but mm -hmm. what do I know? What do I know? What do I know? I just work here. Who cares? I uh, got a question here from uh, Lapo. Uh, says, quick question. Can you put an example Freud blade, Freud blade to a Capex? I'm going to buy a Capex layer this year. Okay, so the Capex. Oh, can you put a Freud into a Capex? You have to look at the bore size for the hole, right? So the, the arbor size on there. I don't know exactly what it is, but I believe the Capex has a special number, but there are companies that make one that will fit. And I know, I believe Tenru made a replacement blade for the Capex. So look specifically, unless they've changed something, look specifically for one that says it will fit the Capex. Also look and see what the hole size is and just make sure that it's the same and it should work if that's the case. Uh, but most of the time you wanna get a Capex specific saw unless that has changed in the last few years. Uh, so I announced this in our guild newsletter, but I'm going to announce it here. Um, okay. If you are a shop teacher and you are trying to figure out your remote learning program for your students, email me, Nicole at the Wood Whisperer. I've actually gotten probably about seven shop teachers that are looking for some assistance to help their students learning because we're probably not going back to school. Um yeah, so this is it. I think. Uh, I've had some really generous donations from some guild members. We actually have a scholarship program that I do in June, but I'm actually using all those funds to get the shop teachers in and picking out some basic projects. So like the shaker table, the bread box. Mm. So they're actually integrating those into their lesson plans. Okay. So if you are a shop teacher, email me. I can, I can help you. Or if you're watching this and thinking, I would love to, to buy a project for a shop teacher, um, you can contribute to our, our scholarship program. Um, I've, I've run out of funds, but I'm still doing it. So okay. <laughs> I'll put a link in the, the show notes if you're interested in um, purchasing. And you can, 10 bucks will go towards those um, uh, instructors. For sure. So it's um, kind of cool. So here, let's do a little customer service here, Nicole. Yeah. Paul Bolton wants to know, Nicole, I ordered the workbench from the free site. How long does it take to process? The workbench? Okay, so there's a little, this is how we do customer service, like behind the scenes. I go, what do you think he's talking about? <laughs> and Nicole goes, I don't know, there's no workbench on the free site. And I go, he could mean the MFT cart, oh. but it's not a workbench, but I guess it could be used as a workbench. Yeah. And we'll go back and forth, and this will usually be and by text. And then, I, and then I go, I'm just going to look it up. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. look for his name. And then we go to find Paul's name and figure out what he purchased and where. And where, yeah. So, Paul, we don't know what you purchased exactly. All purchases on our stuff, unless it's a physical item, uh, they're processed immediately and available for digital download yeah. immediately. So and you should you have an email. Check uh, your spam. Check your spam box if you don't see it, but um, the email goes out immediately once the payment is processed. There he is. What did he buy? He bought, I'm going to say you're right. He bought the, uh, nope. oh, no, he bought the shop cabinets. He bought the shop cabinets. Shop cabinets are not a workbench, nope. Nicole. But that's okay. Guess what so, I'm going to do? I'm just going to resend the email to you. Yeah, resend right that email. Now. And Paul, Paul, here's the thing. If you don't get it, shoot us an email. Use the contact form, whatever way works best for you. It's a yahoo.ca email that you okay. put it used. And I usually just, to make you not have to jump through hoops, I will usually just send you the files that you purchased to make it faster for you. Um, but send us an email and we'll take care of it. Yeah. And so only, I just, I resent it, so... Check your spam folder. So if you didn't get it the first time, you might not get it again, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, usually those purchases are like immediately, it, yeah, as soon instant, as you're done. Instant. <clears throat> <laughs> All right, what else we got here? 
I got some more questions on Patreon. Uh, if I could find my tab. There it is. Luther Woodwork says, don't forget to like the video. Just saying. Paul Bolton. Hi, Mark and Nicole. Really appreciate the second show this week. A cheerful spot in the stay-at-home week. Yay. Uh, what have you heard through the grapevine regarding... Regarding... Regoiding? I don't know what that uh, was. Regoiding. Regoiding. <laughs> the jointer-player combo showing up on the market. Uh, given my small shop, they would have... Would save some space. Are there drawbacks? Thanks. Well, yeah. There's always a drawback to a combo machine. Yeah. That means you got to change it from one setting to another. Doesn't Philip have a combo machine? He does. Yeah, he's got actually. He's got a uh, big boy um, Felder. Oh, I think it is a Felder. Yeah, look yeah. at you. Look at the big brain on you, yeah, Nicole. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's got a Felder unit, and it does take a little bit of time. It's not an obnoxious amount of time, but there is some time, and there's a lot of this. You know what that is? You know what this is? Practice. No. <laughs> This is me with a camera watching Philip raise the table from one operation to the next. Uh, It takes a long time to do that, but not obnoxiously long. If if you are tight on space and you have a combo machine, switching it over is not that big of a deal for the floor space and the footprint space that you're saving by doing that. Uh, There's a big quality jump. I think there are some inexpensive jointer planer combos that I personally would avoid. Um, If you get any jointer planer combo that's under a grand, I don't think it's worth your time. I'm going to be a little bit bullish about that, Nicole. Uh, I think you've got to go a little bit higher. If you're going to put two quality tools in one, they should not cost less than one quality tool. Um, they have to actually work really well. And when you're changing these settings from one operation to another, as you know, anything that has moving parts, the more moving parts there are, the more opportunity for things to go out of calibration. So I would suggest, you know, looking at some of these newer ones, if they're a good quality, sure, absolutely. If you need to save that space, that's a pretty cool way to do it. And uh, you'll get pretty quick at changing it from one operation to the next. Uh, Tim JB (coughs) wants to know if there was a design change in the wireless drill station for it no longer to be free. Because I know you really beefed that up a lot. I don't think the plan... Oh, no, the project hasn't changed. The plan changed. Yeah, it's like 10 pages now. I don't remember, but something. It's, it's pretty big. I mean, it's a simple project, but it is laid out well in the plans. Um, Let's see. Greg Sutherland wants to know, what's the difference between the chest of drawers and the modern chest of drawers with the nightstand and the guild projects besides the nightstand? Well, one is modern. <laughs> uh, they actually both are quite different. And I can't remember. I mean, I would say the uh, original chest of drawers, non-modern version, a little bit more I would say a little Asian influence and a little arts and crafts mm-hmm. uh, and a little bit more traditional in the sort of web frame style construction, frame and panel on the sides. For for the modern chest of drawers, that was actually a commission for Ed. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. And it was pretty much all solid wood, if I remember correctly. He wanted solid wood. Yeah. So it, I had to go through a little bit of a different construction method in that one, different ways of holding the drawers in place. My advice, if you're trying to pick between the two, I think the original chest of drawers has more useful uh, transferable techniques, right, that you might be able to use in other projects. more traditional. More traditional ways of doing it. I think the modern uh, chest of drawers was a little bit more focused on getting this design to look the way the client wanted it to look, even if it wasn't my favorite way to, to actually do it, to execute it, if that makes sense. Hey, should we give away some stuff? Uh, yeah. Uh, I did some, uh, we have more questions, but I want to give out some stuff because I have, um, Mark did some spring cleaning uh-huh. and I have a box set of old green and green mirror frame oh, DVD. what do we still have that for? Yeah, I'm getting, getting rid of them. I'm going to double it up, but I'm going to package it, two DVDs. Here's David Mark's. You guys remember? Season six. DVDs. Remember that? DVDs. Actually, this is good. This yeah. is good. You need this in your life. I think we all need a little more David Marks in our yeah. lives. So, and then a, a, a nice little sippy cup. <laughs> so, adult sippy cup. I have two packs of these. And if you're interested in this, what should I make them do? Say... You need to be in the U.S. I'm sorry. US. I'm sorry, uh, Canadians and Australians. Say, stay home. <laughs> So you're going to pick somebody out of all the people who say, stay home yeah, in the chat room? Okay. okay. I'll pick two winners. 
if you say stay home, uh, give it some time to marinate. Yeah, marinate. We got hopefully. a little delay. <laughs> Josh, hopefully, do a little sizzle. I'm sorry Chis- if you're watching. me, Spags. I'm sorry. Wrong giveaway, Josh. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're watching this later and you're like, oh. See, there are people. I still have a DVD player. Hold on. Chris says, uh, any reason I couldn't use the shop cabinets project and adapt for a miter station? No, no reason at all, Chris. I mean, you absolutely could. Those two projects were done right after one another. I did the miter station as a guild build, which had more detail and a slightly different base mm-hmm. you know, system. So it basically had a toe kick and I used leveling feet. Oh, okay. uh, this one over here, pretty much the same techniques for the cabinet build. The drawers were pretty much the same. The, the trays, the doors, all the same. But it was built on a leveled base that was made of two by fours and OSB. So I pre-leveled the base and then built a square, simple cabinet with no toe kick, right? Because the toe kick is created by the base and the cabinet overhanging. Um, it's a little bit... I can't say it's simpler. Jeez, I mean, they're just like two different methods. The one with the, with the base was better for an area that had a severe slope. Uh, over here, slope wasn't so bad, so I was able to use leveling feet. But ultimately, they're kind of the same. Very, very similar projects. So yes, absolutely, you could adapt that to a miter station. Yeah, I'm sorry, Chewy. I, I can't afford the shipping to the UK. I sent my friend uh, some blankets that I made and a book, and it was like 60 bucks. It's pricey. As people like, as people Woo! who buy templates from our store yeah. know. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. I love all the stay home. Yeah. <laughs> stay home, stay right. home. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm scrolling. I'm gonna randomly put my cursor. Yep, find it. Get it, Nicole. Alright, we got Brett Brat? Brit? Brat. B-R-A-N-T. Is that Brant? Brant. Brant Davis. You are my first winner. You need to email me, Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, no H, at thewoodwhisperer.com. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll give the next one to <laughs> uh, Plan D Woodworks. Made me laugh. Uh, email me, Plan D Woodworks, and I'll get you this little set. Don't worry. I still have more stuff to get rid of. We got some more. Got a question here from Daniel Childs. <clears throat> he says... excuse me i just started the trestle table build um and i believe you might be talking about the knockdown trestle table build um i remember i set that to go away too quickly (laughs) (laughs) i remember not too long ago mark we finished it uh with because of the um poly failing what was the refinish watch the video that i just put out today daniel that is the, the first part of the demonstration with rubio is a refinish of a tabletop and the tabletop was that particular project so um, I refinished it with Rubio and it was because the wiping varnish that I had applied uh, did fail and was definitely ready for something new so check out that video and you'll see exactly what I did it's the video is not about the refinish and it is not about that table but that's what I used to do an example of a large panel uh, for Rubio application all right you got more questions I, I do I always have more questions Let's see. I got one from Matthew Hall. Uh, I'm designing a bed headboard. I'm not sure what to do about some of the joints. It will have two two-inch by six-inch boards connecting the legs, and the six-inch face will be parallel. This is a math, keep reading. This is a math question. Keep reading. Six-inch face will be parallel to the floor between the two boards. I'm going to have several two-inch by two-inch bolsters connecting them. I'm not sure how to join the bolsters at the top and bottom boards. I see three options. I could use dominoes, I could use Morrison tenon, but how big and deep. Lastly, I could make a mortise in the top and bottom boards that take the full two inch, two inch bolster. What do you think Don't of do that? Yeah. What do you think of these <laughs> options? in terms of ease getting it all to work and strength? Well you got a domino man. Do it. Use the domino. As far as uh, the size of the domino, there are rules out there for sizing mortise and tenon joints. Use that as a you know initial guideline, and then take it from there. Sometimes you can't hit it exactly, but get to the next nearest domino size and use the domino. I mean, there's lots of ways you could do this. More traditional mortise and tenons definitely do not make a giant mortise that the whole thing pops into. That just it won't really look very good and uh, i don't know that's why we have shoulders around uh tenons because it provides strength and it makes it look better um but you have a domino that's like 
That's the uh, easy button of mm -hmm. woodworking. Go ahead and use the domino. Uh, it doesn't sound like these are going to be really important for strength for this piece. I mean, maybe grand total, put it all together, it will make it stronger, but I don't think you have to get maximum strength out of each one of these connections. So as long as you have a domino that penetrates a reasonable depth uh, and follows general mortise and tenon rules, you should be perfectly fine. Use that domino, baby. Pow, pow. Pow, pow. Trevor says, hi, Mark and Nicole. <clears throat> I'm building a white oak dining table with some slabs picked up from Carmona. Oh, no. Throw those away. They're full, They're full of Cremona bugs. <laughs> the client I'm building it for has two small kids. So the table would certainly see its share of use. Just finished watching your How to Apply Rubio, and I'm learning that way for the finish, leaning yeah. that way for the finish. Sure. I saw how easy it was to wipe on, but it, it would daily wiping, uh, wiping it down with a wet rag impact the finish, raise up the grain, or impact from heat. Well, as you saw in that video, I cleaned up a mess on a floor downstairs. And I've cleaned up many messes mm -hmm. on that floor from spilled paint, spilling the paint water. This yeah. was great. It was the, like all... The rinse water spilled. We had a, a like a shelving unit there and the water had gone under and we didn't know it was there. So when we moved the shelf, I was like, oh boy. There was this big gray spot where the water had just sat until it evaporated. And I just knew that once I wiped that color off, that there would be raised grain under there. And there wasn't. Amazingly, there wasn't. So this is building my trust in the Rubio product, which when you have something as simple as Rubio and as expensive as Rubio, you're like, oh, God, it can't be as good as, as people say it is. Well, in some ways it is. In other ways, it's a little overblown. But ultimately, in, I am very impressed with its ability to wipe up clean. So now we have this on our kitchen table. Uh, hasn't been there for more than, what, a month or two? The mm -hmm, new finish mm -hmm, on the, the mm -hmm. kitchen table. And it looks brand new. It looks exactly like it did on day one. It gets wiped down. The kids play on there all the time. They spill stuff on there all the time. So uh, I'm a fan of it so far. If you are building this for other people, you got to make sure that they understand what this finish is and what it isn't. You know, it's not an impenetrable layer that's bulletproof. And they are going to want to... Um, probably have some of the universal maintenance oil on hand so that if there is a little bit of a problem or something scratches or goes through it, you can kind of buff some of that oil in and kind of make the flaw disappear. So, you know, as long as they're educated on what the product is and how it's going to perform and what it's going to look like, they could be very, very happy with it. Mm -hmm. For me, when it's a surface that's going to get damaged, not if, but when, I absolutely now favor finishes that are easy to repair. Oh. Remind me again where you get your screws. CS Hardwood? Um, yeah. Or what is it? Hardware? Custom, custom Service Hardware. Custom. Is it just CS Hardware? CS Hardware. Hard. Hard. I, hard. I used to use McFeely's. Yeah. But then people turned me on to CS Hardware and the prices are quite a bit better. Hmm. And I oh, accidentally... You, you see that giant box? Yeah, that's what I saw. I have yeah. so many screws, guys. So many screws. So many screws. If to you, get. anybody wants to stop by for a cup of screws... <laughs> I will give you a couple screws. Well, they have so much. They have like rolling doors and cabinets. Well, they got tons of hardware. So if I just screw, I'm just going to search screws. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, cshardware.com. Oh, they even have an easy screw finder. Oh, there you go. <laughs> on their website, though it's not loading, but everybody's going to their website right now okay uh we got a question from matt van overloop hey mark ever consider picking up a merca electric sander to do comparison with your festal sander curious on your input no no merca makes a really good sander from what i understand and they have that you know pretty yellow dust collector to go with it um it's to me it's splitting hairs at that point because a sander is kind of one of those things that's a little bit difficult to evaluate in terms of its performance right you got to spend a lot of time with it or spend a lot of time with one that's really crappy to know the difference but once you get to a really good quality sander and trying to evaluate the differences between a merca and a festool is probably the biggest waste of time I could possibly imagine. I don't mean that to be an insult because you have a valid question. If you're in the market for one or the other, you might be looking for like, okay, well, what, what is the difference? Here's the thing. They're both going to be great. They're both going to be awesome. And they're both going to be a better experience than, you know, a, 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 I don't know, a cheap rigid sander or a Ryobi sander or whatever. They'll be more balanced. They'll be more stable. And they'll provide a, a really nice sanded surface. Um, but trying to differentiate between those two, 
feels like uh, it just is kind of a waste of time. They're both going to be fantastic. I've, I've been seeing a lot more of the Merca pop up. Um, I think Four Eyes dude had it, and then mm -hmm. I saw someone else uh, has a bunch, so I don't know whether Merca's now um, playing the game with, with influencers uh, <laughs> and sending these things out or what. But, uh, but I looked at it, and I go, I went, hmm. Like, you go over there, and you, you smell what's on someone else's plate, and you're like... <laughs> <laughs> that smells kind of good. Should I? Should, and should I'm like, I no, that? no, no, no. I don't need to get into that. But yeah, I don't think if you're if you're spending that kind of money on a sanding rig, can't imagine you're going to be disappointed either way. Karen Seeley did a super chat and said, "Thanks for all you do." Oh, thank you. Well, Karen. thank you. I had a question. I like your here. avatar. Uh, what you had a question? I had a question here. Oh, I lost you it. You lost the question. Oh, I lost it. I lost it. I had it tonight. I had that question it. and I lost it. <laughs> that was a terrible movie. Um, how many minutes? Okay, well, I lost it, so... If hey, it, is anybody playing Animal Crossing right now? <laughs> I just saw an article that said, why Animal Crossing... What is it, Horizons? Is it the Horizon name it? something. Why Animal Crossing is the perfect game for, like, the situation yeah. we're in right now. <laughs> sort I, of I, I, calming I like, effect. I pick my peaches... I pick some weeds. I talk to my friends. Mm -hmm. It's a whole thing. Uh, got a question here from Jack Dalby. It's a long question. Um, oh, Jack. We didn't answer it last week or a couple weeks ago. I need to make some drawers for the Sometimes first time. I know, but I would like for you to reply to them on the Patreon post. Well, you know, I get busy. Uh, uh, make Sorry, some, Jack. <laughs> make some drawers for the first time, and I need them to be pretty big. I swear, I thought we answered this. They're going to be base drawers built into a bench seat that is part of a Murphy bed that he's building. Okay. I need them to be 30 inches deep by 20 inches wide and about 15 inches high. I bought the longest full extension slide mount slides I could find, but they're only 24 inches, which is okay because the drawers are in the bench that will be hinged. My worry, though, is there not? there's nothing on this project that has ended up square. Oh, boy. Is there anything wrong with using slides on the bottom instead of the sides? Should I raise the bottom to avoid friction and use shims on the sides to maintain a square, smooth operation? Uh, or should I just abandon the slides and use old-timey method that I've never heard of? <laughs> okay, well, if you're going to go undermount, get undermount. Um, I don't know that you can trust... Oh, I think your knee hit the oh, did I? Sorry. I, just, I heard a beep, and I'm oh, like, yeah. no, not ah. the audio again. <laughs> um, I don't know that you can trust the side mount slide positioned on the bottom. I don't think they are rated strength-wise to work that way, and I think that could very well be problematic in the long run. So keep your side mounts on the sides. If you need to go bottom, get a bottom mount, and that actually might be the solution here. Um, a bottom mount is not going to rely on squareness of the sides. You simply have to get those things mounted uh, nice and in a flat plane on the underside. But there are always you know, restrictions mm -hmm. with the way that you built this thing. You may not be able to get those bottom mounts in depending on how much you've done already. But I would encourage you, first look into bottom mount slides. Then if you are forced to continue using side mount slides, try just shimming those um, rather than trying to use them on the underside. You can typically shim them on the case sides one way or the other so that they are going parallel to one another. And that shouldn't be that difficult to do. It might be a little bit finicky, but you're just basically going in there, measuring between them. You could use a story stick or something, just a little piece of wood. Make sure you got the same dimension at the front as you have in the back. And hopefully they are both, if they are now both parallel, that they are also square to the front face, right? Or I'm sorry, perpendicular to the front face. If you can do those things, it might be finicky, it might be extra work, but then you could use the side mount slides. It sounds like you already have them, um, so it would be nice to be able to use them. But you can shim those out. Uh, Daniel Child just did a super chat, and he said, for my mask fun, thank you, thank you, thank you. Nicole, your work not only creates masks, but it also inspired a group of retired RNs in Vancouver, Washington, that is turning out dozens of masks daily for the hospital system. Oh, Izzy just chimed in. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh. Are you done? Uh, no. Look, when Izzy Swan speaks, we listen, Nicole. <laughs> I just wanted to say thank you to Daniel. And then, yes, um, in fact, I was sitting here, and my order for my fabric, because... I didn't have a lot of light colored fabric. Yeah. Just came in. So oh, cool. I'm still making them and uh, it's awesome. Okay. So Izzy says, 
100 pound slide mounts, which is one of the most common um, weight capacities you're going to find in the side slides. He says uh, they're good for about 45 pounds when they're on the side. So grand total, you put that together and get two slides, you're looking at 90 pounds, which I think for many things would be fine. Hi, Izzy. <laughs> Hi, Izzy. <laughs> How's your back? How you Hope doing? Hope you're doing well. Yes. Okay. Uh so it's now we're well oh, we're, past, uh, we're, we're running long. We're huh? having a long show. It's a long show. We're Nicole. Just hanging out, you know. Okay, okay let Penny. me give. I want to give some more. I, so if you do you have a lathe, do you? You want have to a learn, lave. Uh, more about turning. I have some turning books. They're just turning books, so you have to be interested in lathes. You have to be interested in turning. Yeah. To enjoy a turning book, not so, necessarily. You might be. Maybe you're turning curious. Yeah. There you go. So I'm going to give. I'm going to hold them up so they can okay, see. Okay, you can do these. This is not interesting. Do this. <laughs> this is not now, they, now they can see it. Now they can see it. So what we're doing two. So we'll do two. We'll do the Pen Turner's Bible and the Lathe book. Okay, Lathe me is what they have to say. Lathe me. Lathe me. If you say Lathe me. So that's going to be one set, and then the second set is a lesson plan for wood turning, step by step instructions, and creative wood turning. And then uh, I also have, I'm going to put this in here, the North Carolina Wood Turning Symposium's uh, Demonstrator Handout. There's actually a ton of information in here um, that I'm going to just throw in there as well. I love it when you open books and preview them so no one can see them. Sorry. You do this, you go, this is, this is so interesting. You guys, <laughs> you're going to love every, every bit of what's in this book. So they're actually, it's like there's profiles on other woodworkers yeah. in there. There's like techniques and it's all white, so you it's, probably can't see it. It's from uh, 2017. Yeah, there's like articles in yeah. there. So it is a handout, a demonstrator's handout, but actually is pretty informative from yeah. the um, uh, Greensboro, North Carolina yep. Wood Turning Symposium. There you go. So that's what right. I got two that I'm going to pick the lathe from the lathe knees. So, and then I'll get those sent out later today. Uh, let's do, hey, Craig Chagrin, who did my did this super chat today. I'm going to pick you. Okay. Craig, 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 email me, Nicole at thewoodwhisperer.com. Mm -hmm. And let's see, who else? Let's do, I love seeing women in the chat. Barbara Budsworth, you. I love seeing women too, Nicole. I, I really, really like it when I see women me too. in the chat. Me too. And doing woodworking yep. and getting into it. Yes. So, Barbara, email me, Nicole, at the Wood Whisperer. I'll put it in the chat, too, so you can see how. And then also we want to pick one guild project, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll, uh, you know we'll what? Done here. And it's going to be from everybody that asks questions today. So Don't leave me, nor bro. Normally on a, on a Friday show, I pick it only from the patrons. Uh, so I'm going to... <laughs> Uh, let's give it... Brian Thorpe. There we go, Brian. Or Thorpe, the guy who asked about Hackberry. Yep. And we couldn't answer it because we've never <laughs> used Hackberry. So, Brian, uh, email me and I will get you a project in the guild. Any yeah, project. boy. Um, and I think I think that's it. That about does it. I think that does it. All right. So... The kids, I'm hoping, have not... Destroyed the house. Destroyed the house or each other. I'm, I'm sure by now, Mateo has fastened a saddle to Dougie. And Ava is riding around. I'm getting notifications on my watch movement in the backyard. Yeah. And it's Millie and Dougie like running like crazy. I picture Ava on the back of Dougie, like the little dog on the back of the other dog in Labyrinth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good times. All right. So I uh, hope you guys have a good week. We're going to see you again on Friday. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we'll be able to cheer you up. And at the very least, answer your woodworking questions. Mm -hmm. And even if we can't do that... I don't know. We'll stand here and just uh, try to look good. There you go. I might even brush my hair. So, okay. I think we're done. We're good? <laughs> what does it look like when you don't brush your hair? Uh, the same. I was going to say. It looks exactly the same. <laughs> I wake up like this. I go to bed like this. Even after a shower. That's what yeah. it looks like. I mean, when it's this short and this Italian, there isn't much it can do, Nicole, without... Without right. significant chemical or heat uh, yeah. and moisture. <laughs> Just doesn't go anywhere. Okay, well, thanks, everybody. Uh, have a great rest of your week. Stay safe. Stay home.